Welcome to Machine Learning. I want to talk about sovereign wealth funds. Why is China buying sovereign wealth funds? Is it because they need our need the assets? No. Is it because they have a shortage of capital? No. Is it because they need a need a market? Yes. They need to sell their goods. They need to hedge their currency. They need to keep their uh, people employed. They need to keep their growth going. The Chinese see the U.S. as a good market. (coughs) In fact, they are um, they're buying our big companies. They're buying oil all over the world. They're just doing it quietly until now. We're dealing with a different type of Chinese government and a different Chinese corporations. They are open to foreign investment. They are open to foreign technology. They are open to buying foreign firms. They are open to having foreigners purchase or doing business in China and they are open to having foreigners working in their country if you have a business you should be doing business in China or with China and that's always been a point of of uh, contention because companies could realize anywhere between 30 to 60% profit by doing business in China. And that incentive moved a lot of American businesses into China. So we lost a lot of our manufacturing sector uh, to China. And as a result, China became very wealthy. Well, the United States has 20 million millionaires and China has 2 million millionaires. So there's a factor of 10 still in America. But as you look at the, the growth in AI, where China is now becoming known as uh, an AI uh, technology haven, more companies will use Chinese AI to um, implement in their business plans. Now, if you're if you're thinking about um, China, it may sound like Taiwan. It may sound like you're talking about Taiwan. And uh, Taiwan is a fantastic place for foreigners to live. The people are great. The food is great. The government is very accommodating. They have the three things that are important. They have a legal infrastructure so you can create contracts 
they have a financial structure, which is the banking, and they have the technology sector, which is the know-how. Okay. Taiwan is a modern country. It is the world's biggest producer of computer chips after the U.S. It is the world's biggest producer of notebooks, computers. It has a huge, it's a huge producer of cell, cell uh, phones. There's a lot of foreign investment in Taiwan. In fact, the local government has been very welcoming to foreign comp country companies. The more I think about Taiwan, it's a little like China, only smaller. It's a very open economy. It's very welcoming economy. The Taiwanese want foreign investment. They want foreign technology and foreign uh, businesses. They are a export-oriented economy. They do not <coughs> mind if uh, foreigners make money in their country, and they are very friendly people. If you have a business, you should be doing, you should be looking at Taiwan as the as miniature China. Well, and I would actually think that Taiwan might be um, more Western because of the alignment to the United States. And so the technologies in Taiwan and the economic development would be more Western in my mind. Okay, so let's talk about the little book of bull moves in a bear market. And that relate, connects to uh, China and uh, Taiwan, specifically Taiwan. And uh, it's interesting that China is interested in Taiwan because it, it seems like Taiwan's independent of China. So the foreign starts off as invest in foreign companies with a huge dividend earnings in practice in global exports, part of the economy that is growing. That would be countries like China, India, Brazil, Russia, and Mexico. So important part of any company is their earnings. It's financial gravity. Earnings should, uh, earnings determine price. Now, when stocks become speculative, they're betting on the future price and they're also on increased demand for that product. And so they're looking at positioning based on some level of energy that's in the system that's creating demand for that, that stock. However, earnings are the true measure of growth of any company, and the dividend payments are um, used to distinguish between speculative stock and non-speculative stock. So you take a stock like Allstate, for example, who have consistent dividend payments. That price to earning ratios are fairly low and the stock continues to grow at a uh, reasonable trend. And uh, versus if you look at a Tesla that 
um, hasn't turned an earning yet, and it uh, its debt is extremely high. It's growing very fast, and uh, everything is based on the belief that the future will be electric cars, which it may not be. It may be fuel cell cars, and there may be new competitors that enter into that fuel cell market quicker, like Toyota that's gaining lots of experience in fuel cell vehicles, Hyundai, uh, which is a leader in semi-fuel cells, and then Nikola, which is um, producing both electric and fuel cell. And I don't think they've released their fuel cell semi yet, and uh, but Hyundai has, and they look to be the leader. If foreign currency is spent in American marketplace, foreign dollars compete with domestic dollars setting price higher. Okay. Well, and that's true because if you're buying up dollars, if let's say I'm, I have euros and I want to make investments in the U.S., then I have to do that in dollars. So then I buy dollars to buy assets that are properties, real estates, businesses, um, different resources that might be helpful for my country and for my business from a foreign perspective. And that drives up then the price of the dollar. Okay, next po talking point. Uh, Timing when to invest was more critical than to invest, uh, if to invest. As the global economy dropped into a recession, foreign countries spent heavily to subsidize the dollar. Massive buying of the dollar occurred. The perception was the U.S. economy was a safe haven to move money. Foreign, foreigners equated value drops off sharply as the recession deepened. <clears throat> yeah, we saw a lot of that in the early part of 2008, where the dollar and the yen were considered to be safe currencies, and moving money out of the European currencies into uh, the uh, U.S. currencies caused the dollar to strengthen against other currencies and it was perceived to be a safe haven investment. We have to compare changes in the nominal prices to the price changes in commodities, precious metals, agricultural commodities, commodities correctly adjust to inflation. Commodity price inflation is the standard by which to measure prices. And I, I look at um, one commodity in particular to measure inflation, and that's copper. So if China is buying lots of copper, the price of copper uh, increases, and that suggests that China's economy is heating up, that they're uh, building lots of things that require copper, like uh, buildings or commercial investments, structures, and uh, homes. And so that, that might suggest that there's a 
a lot of activity that's occurring in their economy. Foreigners accumulate dollars. If foreigners spend their dollars to buy American companies through sovereign wealth funds, then their earning streams will divert back to the foreign owners. See, and that's, that's the part that I dislike is uh, here we have Chinese sovereign wealth funds. They're buying big companies in the U.S. or they're positioning to own uh, large shares of U.S. stock and, or ownership in the company. And then the profits that they're getting from those investments are being diverted back to their owners. And so there's no wealth that's staying in, in America, it's all going back to these foreign owners. And so you see the rise of big corporations funded by uh, Chinese sovereign wealth funds, but the wealth is, uh, is, is returning back into foreign countries. Nine, how do foreign governments adjust their currencies. Okay, this is they do it through for, uh, central banks, and this is how they do it. Foreign governments buy dollars. They invest in U.S. treasuries, which are loans, and then they sell their currency on the foreign exchange to purchase the dollars to buy the currencies, adjusting the currencies in a way to export inflation. Foreign currencies gain less value against the dollar and so what that's saying is they're actually trying to devalue their currency so they can keep their export strong and Japan and China both practice that uh, strange act to uh, ensure that they have that their products are cheaper and so thereby increasing their exports the trade deficits are inflationary. So in the US, as our trade deficits increase, we also experience rising inflation. And that uh, means dollar, our dollar's buying capability is less. Okay, rising uh, import costs occur simultaneously as the dollar value drops along with the standard of living in America. Prices rise on the result of the Fed printing money. Rising energy prices increase inflation in indexes. As commodity prices rise, then oil currencies are losing value. The dollar is losing value faster than the euro but the euro is also losing value. And what I'm talking about is, is that ability, the PVP, the power purchase parity. Our dollar is not purchasing as much of the same basket. And you, you could say, well, okay, the CPI is the measure, the consumer price index is the measure of how to uh, evaluate these currencies and uh, it really isn't it really isn't uh, true because the CPI seems to be broken and uh, 
if you look at uh, PVP, um, it, I, I've, I think I've talked about this quite a while ago, maybe on one podcast of PVP, is that it, it didn't look good. And so if PVP is getting weaker, that's suggesting that the dollar is devaluing. Okay, once the dollar devalues, then we start to see recession. A recession sheds government debt. Debt can be temporary. Shedding the debt will, and growth will resume. And that's the Rothbard scenario. If you shed uh, debt, liquid, uh, right, liquidate bad uh, investments, then the system heals. That's almost like what you're you're saying is that they go the business goes out of business, and then the businesses that are performing well and competing stay in business, and um, the system then reboots and begins its its process of healing. Now, how long will that take? A lot of analysts say that takes about 15 to 20 years. So companies have to build up their savings because savings are the way you make money. Uh, not speculating. Speculating is, is really, investing speculating has really caught a lot of people off guard because they've made money, lots of money, during periods of high speculation and growth. And then uh, they look at themselves and think, well, you know, I've been really smart. I've made all this money. But overall, the way you grow in a system is through saving. So companies will save for 15 to 20 years, and then they will build up their assets, and then they begin to make capital investments and expand and grow again. Okay, inflation rate could be between 8 to 10% which is enormous. I actually believe it was more along the lines of 6.5%. That would be matching China's inflation rates. Um, GDP has been around 2 to 3%. And I believe that that is also true, that uh, 2 to 3% has been about the what the government publishes as the, the national GDP. U.S. manufacturing, exports are growing, national debt health is measured as a, as a percentage of GDP. And uh, a lot of the economists, they measure the national debt as a percentage of gross national product, GNP. Um, I guess it depends on which numbers that you actually believe are, are reflect the um, actual growth, gross national product, to me, um, is more along kind of the manufacturing side of things, manufacturing services versus gross domestic product. Maybe that's kind of your lump sum. You pull in a, a bigger basket of items. So I, I haven't really thought about too much about what the difference between uh, the numbers as relating percentages to gross national product versus uh, gross domestic product. But a lot of economists like to measure the productivity in terms of gross domestic product. Unemployment rates, 
excluding long-term unemployment counts, the results over optimistic employment views. Yeah, there's been a lot since COVID. There's been a lot of people that have lost jobs um, that are no longer being tracked by state unemployment. And so the federal uh, unemployment counts are look more promising than they are. So there's still a large group of people that aren't working and they may have been drawing on unemployment benefits, etc., or savings and um, can do so for a certain level of time before we, we see the true unemployment numbers, which could be very high. And I was led to believe statistically that that count was around 40 million people in the U.S. that were unemployed. And it would be interesting to find out, um, based on maybe some surveys uh, that could be taken, whether or not the households are generating uh, income. So if you were looking at income generating households as an indication of employment, that would probably give you a better picture of uh, the employment numbers. And governments want to keep uh, employment high. You know, that's what, uh, again, the original premise of China's usage of sovereign wealth funds to find markets was to keep employment high. Okay, Wall Street has conditioned the public to believe that long-term capital gains potential of stock is equal to bonds. Wall Street investment banking job is to sell stocks and keep clients happy. Yeah. More money they get, the happier they are. So the mechanism is to convince clients to invest in um, stocks as a way to make money. Now, are stocks better than bonds? You have four quadrants. You have stocks, you have bonds, you have gold or precious metal, uh, metals such as silver, and you also have land. So you put those into four um, assets, and so you have to understand bonds, you have to understand commodities, and you have to understand stocks, and how they all interact with each other. And they're moving across the quadrants. So stocks are failing, bonds are, are climbing. If, uh, if gold is increasing, there has to be a correlation to gold and land. Now, if the banks have been artificially um, keeping the price of gold and precious metals down in relationship to land, then it gives the false impression that either deflation is not incurring, so you're not having a deflating currency because the gold and silver prices haven't uh, uh, been climbing. And so during periods of high inflation, um, mining actually reduces down because the cost of operations increase and so there's, their output of precious metals drops. And then uh, you see the price of precious metals increasing as a result of uh, slower production. All right, moving on. Talking point 21. As credit dries and 
discretionary spending collapses, companies will either scale back on volume or cut prices to turn a profit. It would seem logical because the cost to build the product decreases that the product price would decrease, but instead, price remains the same and production decreases. As a result, GDP declines and the economy moves towards a prolonged recession. And that's, that's one reason why during the Great Depression it took so long to come out is that companies found a, a marginal range to operate in terms of how much they were producing, the cost to produce, and trying to measure that against demand. And it took a long time for them to accumulate wealth. <clears throat> All right, 22, asset prices. Real estate will fall much further in price in relationship to gold than goods prices. Material, mining, energy, and agriculture commodities will benefit from the commodity boom. We have a commodity boom that's running. Uh, oil service companies um, are likely to prosper, prosper, benefiting from oil market and unlikely to hit with excess profit taxes. Low commodity prices cause overutilization of resources and underinvestment in capacity. As a general rule, stock prices um, fall as commodity prices rise. Domestic producers face significant increases that foreign companies will not. Gold is a wealth preserver, not a wealth gainer. American deposit receipts, ADRs, are foreign stocks listed on the U.S. stock market. Exchanging ADRs are receipts for foreign shares held in domestic banks. They pay dividends, they entitle voting rights and other share rights. Developing foreign countries to watch. Austria, Belgium, Cyprus, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Ireland, Italy, Luxembourg, Malta, and the Netherlands, Portugal, Slovenia, and Spain. Asian countries to watch, Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan, Taiwan, South Korea, Thailand, and the Philippines. So now we understand the strategy of sovereign wealth funds and the particular countries that are um, growing their economies and are hot to watch. And in this book, the strategy was to take your investment and to buy in foreign countries and particularly companies with strong dividend growth and then grow your wealth that way.